0: Hey, good morning. It's about time for us to begin our Bible study here this morning. So I'm glad for you to stick around and as we continue our study in the life of Christ, we are in lesson 11 this morning. If you're following along in those pamphlets that have been passed out the past couple of weeks, we're going to kind of do a thing a little different. I'm going to combine uh, lessons 11 and 12 today, because actually, uh, according to their curriculum that they put together, they uh, basically uh, use the same uh, lesson uh, And for Lesson 11 and Lesson 12. We're just going to go ahead and combine those today, so we're going to look at Lesson 11 and Lesson 12 today, and then on Wednesday, we'll go right to direct, directly into Lesson 13. So again, Lesson 11 and 12 today on the temptations of Jesus. Now, if you recall, on Wednesday, uh, we, we looked at Jesus's baptism. Uh, remember, uh, Jesus' baptism. Remember, Jesus, and I put the map up this morning uh, so that we could take a look at that. Again, Jesus uh, right around in this area. Uh, unfortunately, it's not marked, but uh, Bethany would have been right around in that area is where Jesus uh, was baptized. Of course, here's the Jordan River. That's connecting the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. So you got the Jordan River in between that. And that, of course, is where Jesus was baptized uh, in the Jordan. And uh, and again, we we emphasize the point that Jesus was right at 30 years of age when this happened, that John the Baptist uh, did this, uh, administered the baptism. And this was, you know, what we really focused on was this was one of the or was the most unique baptism to uh, ever take place again uh, because why? Well, because Jesus had no sin. Uh, Jesus had nothing to repent of. Uh, so again, we asked ourselves, why did he submit to baptism? And of course, uh, we, we, Jesus explains that to us in those verses. Uh, he told us he needed to fulfill all righteousness. Remember, John didn't want to baptize Jesus. He said, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me asking me to baptize you. Uh, but Jesus said, "Permit it at this time. Let, we're going to fulfill all righteousness by doing that." Meaning that you know this this baptism that John is preaching. Uh, get ready; the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, to repent of sins, uh, for uh, to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. This was all part of God's plan. Uh, uh, remember, uh, we, we fast forward all the way to Matthew chapter 21 when Jesus was talking with uh, you know, the, the Pharisees of the day and uh, he asked them that question. You know, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? And the, the focus that Jesus wanted to make uh, to get the point across was the baptism of John was from heaven. This was God's plan put into action. And so Jesus, to fulfill all righteousness, submitted To the Heavenly Father's will. Again, even though Jesus had nothing to repent of. Nothing to confess. He was baptized. He wanted to obey the Father in all things. And so he submitted to his baptism. Of course, we also pointed out that the Godhead was all present uh, during this time. Uh, God the Father, of course, speaking out of heaven. Saying, this is my son uh, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, He had the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, who descended uh, like a dove, we're told in the text, upon Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus, the Son of God, who was uh, being uh, baptized. And so uh, that's what we covered Wednesday night. And now, as Mark tells us in his account, that immediately, immediately after Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit impelled Jesus to go into the wilderness Again, when we uh, think of a wilderness, we're not necessarily thinking of you know, maybe a wooded area or um, a, des- a desert area, but you know, we're talking about a deserted place. And uh, you know, a lot of scholars uh, point this to be just north of Jericho. Again, Jericho is not on this map, but Jericho, again, is right in this area. And so uh, we believe that that's where uh, Jesus spent these 40 days fasting, again, in the wilderness. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, again, they uh, give us some information about this account. We're going to read Matthew's account. So in your Bibles, uh, if you want to open up to Matthew chapter 4, uh, those are the references we're going to give. Again, Mark is very short. He gives us two verses about, the, about, the, uh, about Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, Luke gives us a little bit more of an extended uh, account, but we're going to stick with Matthew's here this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Let's go ahead and read that, and then we'll jump into uh, the lesson. So then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So, the account uh, sets it up. Uh, we're about to uh, enter into this, you know, this spiritual battle between Jesus and Satan. Uh, before we jump into that, let me uh, you know, ask this question. Is uh, being tempted sin? Is it sinful to be tempted? I see a lot of heads turning to and that's exactly right. Uh, let, let's notice a few verses about this. James uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Notice what uh, James says about a temptation. He says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust." Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so James, you know, he lays this out perfectly that, you know, temptations come our way. And if we are to act upon those temptations, that's when sin is birthed. That's when when the sin begins. But to be tempted is not uh, a sinful behavior. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13, notice uh, what the Apostle Paul says here about uh, temptation. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And maybe this is a familiar verse to many, but Paul writes here, uh, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Again, temptation comes along. Uh, Paul says here that we all have the opportunity, the ability to pass it up, that God has given us a way of escape out of it. We don't have to submit to it and uh, we don't have to endure it. Uh, Martin Luther, who was a a theologian uh, during the Reformation period, he said this. He said, you know, I cannot keep the birds from flying over my head. But I can keep from them building a nest in my hair. And I think you understand what he's saying there. He says, you know, I can't keep them from flying up above. Right. I can't help that sin is out in the world, that there's temptation out in the world, that, you know, stores, uh, you know, will sell uh, alcohol and, and liquor. I can't help that. But what he says that he can help is I can help the birds from, you know, building a nest in my hair. Right. And you and I can help. From not giving in to those things as well, not going to the store to purchase it, not being around it. Uh, One more verse about this. Notice what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 states. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Uh, The Hebrew writer says here: For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was who has been tempted in all things as we are. Yet, without sin, right? Jesus has been tempted in all things that we have been, and we'll touch on this a little bit later what that really means, uh, but yet he did not sin, right? He uh, was able to pass up any of the temptations that came his way. You know, if I had in my garage, and I don't, but if I did a nice brand new bass boat, uh, you know rod and reels, you know, all of the great equipment, a fishing license, everything like that but never taking it out on the lake. Am I a fisherman? Can I proudly say I'm a fisherman? No, probably not, right? Uh, no. And that's the same thing uh, that we want to keep in mind about Jesus, right? Jesus was not a man in theory. Jesus was a man, right? He, he was born in the flesh. He came and, and lived life just like you and I. He experienced it all. And so uh, this is really an important um, place in scripture to you know where this is happening at the beginning of jesus's ministry because you know we can obviously learn a lot about uh, jesus and uh, his humanity uh, during these temptations you know why did this or let's ask this why did this event happen in the first place Well, maybe, maybe we'll answer that as we go forward. Uh, I, I think there is some importance to, as to why this event happened. You know, It's going, again, to show Christ's humanity. Uh, it's going to show the way that he dealt with it. Right, The, the same way he dealt with Satan uh, should be the same way that we do as well when we read uh, through those verses. And we'll touch on that again. But again, let me ask you this question. Uh, does, you know, Jesus was Jesus was just baptized, right? And immediately he went into the wilderness, fasted for 40 days. To those who have, uh, you know, uh, just put on Christ, who have just recently been baptized, does that mean the devil gives up on you? Ah, I see some heads shaking. No, of course not. You know, right? Does he already have those outside of the church? He already has those outside of the church, but he wants the, the souls right of those who are inside the church. And this is not the only time that Satan is going to uh, attack Jesus uh, by tempting him. Uh, in Luke's account, the very last verse tells us uh, that, that Satan left Jesus for an opportune time. Right? he 's coming back uh, he 's going to wait for that opportune time to do so, and so Satan knew the only one or the only ones, that only one sin by Jesus would have you know destroyed his mission, and you know again, you know why does this happen uh, right when it happens after Jesus has been fasting for forty days? Well, I think again, another point is is that we can understand that this is showing the 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 power. Of, you know, God over Satan, because where is Jesus after, you know, physically, where is he after 40 days of fasting? He's weak, right? He's at the weakest uh, his body could possibly be at that point. And again, this speaks to the humanity of Christ, and this speaks to the same way that uh, Satan attacks us as well. You know, he he he's waiting for us to be at our weakest moment so that he can attack us. You know, think of think of a sports team who you know is has the undefeated season or, or the perfect season. You know, and I don't think there's any basketball like college basketball teams that are undefeated at this point. But uh, you know, think of teams when they're like that they're they're undefeated. They're you know twenty and 0, 25 and o, and each game that passes along you know, there's a lot more pressure on them, right? Uh, A lot more pressure than the teams that, you know, are used to losing. You know, they're used to losing, right? But uh, the the team that has that perfect season uh, going, there's pressure for them to keep uh, winning. And we think of, again, Jesus, perfect, you know, perfect in in keeping uh, God's commandments, you know, being in the flesh, you know, there's a lot riding on uh, his challenge uh, against Satan, and of course, you know, he passes with flying colors. And again, we'll we'll touch on that as we you know keep going into uh, the lesson. But let's talk about the place of the temptation again. Uh, you know, the Bible just tells us that it was in the wilderness, and we don't know the exact uh, location in the wilderness. Again, somewhere in Judea. Uh, somewhere, uh, you know, probably uh, north of the Jerusalem area, around Jericho, is where it begins. You know, Mark. Mark actually gives us a point that none of the other gospel writers do. In, in Mark chapter one verse uh, thirteen, he tells us that, uh, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. So this kind of gives us an idea that you know, this isn't the safest place to be, right? There's wild beasts roaming uh, this area. Jesus uh, physically uh, uh, hasn't eaten in 40 days. Um, Hostile environment. And so uh, this isn't the best of conditions. But again, this is proving or hopefully bolstering our faith in uh, the Lord that he was able to overcome these temptations and we should be able to you know, reflect on uh, the example of Jesus and be able to do this in our own lives uh, as as well. You know, a lot of times we see in, you know, cartoons or, you know, TV shows when they're trying to depict, uh, you know, good versus evil, right? That they're usually like have an angel on one shoulder and then, you know, Satan on the other shoulder, right? And they're both trying to get their way with the person that they're standing on the shoulders of and saying, you know, you do this, and then the other one says, no, you do it it this way. Uh, That is not at all what's going on in this case, right? This is a real battle being fought. There's real consequences. And again, you know, some have said this is one of the greatest spiritual battles that was ever known, recorded for us in in these verses. So again, Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, This is... This tells us that this was not a chance encounter, right? This, this was divinely planned to uh, happen, that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. You know, this wasn't a sneak attack by Satan. Uh, he didn't have to, you know, uh, come out of the open or into the open. But, you know, again, this shows us that this was a planned uh, event and, again, that it was divine, I want to read another passage. I should have put this up on the board so that we didn't have to keep flipping to this, but this is an important passage uh, in regards that ties in so well. It's in 1 John uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 16. And notice what the apostle says here. Uh, he says that well, for all that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh, And the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Uh, John gives us these three points, these three uh, buckets of uh, uh, categories of sin. Again, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Uh, These three really is what substantiate uh, you know, all sins. We can put any sin that you can think of in one of these uh, three buckets. And that's really what uh, the Hebrews writer was talking about when he said that Jesus was, you know, he was tempted in all things that we are. He was tempted in all three of these aspects. And specifically, he was tempted by all three of these aspects by Satan of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And we'll get into that as well. But can you think of another? Individual uh, who was tempted in this same format? Job. Job? Job. Okay, I didn't think of that, uh, but that, that, yeah, that, that could work. But I'm thinking all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Eve. It was Eve, right. Eve. Eve was tempted in the same fashion. Genesis chapter three verse six tells us that she saw this tree. Remember, she was uh, told, or Adam was told, you know, not to touch this tree. And so she saw the tree, and that it was good for food, right? That that appeals to the lust of the flesh. That it it was delightful to her eyes. That verse says, you know, again, lust of the eyes. And then it said that it was also desirable to make one wise, right? And that goes along with the boastful pride of life. You know, and so you know this this tactic that Satan here is using against Jesus, you know, he used all the way back in Genesis chapter three to get uh, Adam and Eve to commit the first sin. Right, so it's nothing new. It's it's the same tactic. He came with um, all three of these again. The Apostle John lets us know in First John chapter two. And by the way, you I know, mean, just throw this out here. What. When we're talking about Satan here in uh, Matthew chapter 4, the devil, Satan, um, does it look like Satan is a, some sort of uh, a symbolism for evil or you know, an, an evil force? Or is this a real you know, individual, a real spirit? Yeah, this uh, this is a real uh, individ- individual or spirit or angel or however you want to uh, classify him. Someone who is seeking the souls of others to lead them to a place where he's going to be for eternity, right? And so, so we've noticed these uh, three temptations again that he lays out. The first one is verse three and four. And the tempter came, of course being Satan, and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones uh, become bread. Now again, why why is he starting off with this uh, temptation? Right, he's been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry, right? Anyone here fasted for 40 days? That'd be pretty tough, right? I, I don't think uh, anyone would... Or has done that or maybe would even want to attempt that. Uh, but, you know, he is going, he's starting his temptations by the lusts of the flesh. Right? He, Jesus, if you are the son of God, as you, you, know, as you claim to be, then uh, turn uh, these stones into bread. Uh, and so uh, Jesus combats that in verse four. Uh, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? And we're going to see this in each one of these temptations. Again, how does Jesus combat Satan? It is written. right? He, he brings up the scriptures. He combats uh, Satan with the scriptures uh, to you know, block the temptation that's put before him. And that, again, is you know, that great lesson for us is that Uh, You know, we need to do the same thing as well. When temptation comes our way, is that we recall the scriptures, uh, you know, that we have studied, uh, to be able to fight these uh, temptations. You know, before we even go any further, you know, maybe we need to point this out too. Is you know, what is fasting? What is uh, biblical fasting? Why did they fast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, every time you probably read about fasting uh, within Scripture, it's always in reference to prayer and fasting, right? and sometimes those go hand in hand. But it, you know, biblic- to to fast biblically, and in the, in the New Testament, we are Christians are not commanded to fast, but uh, you can fast if you'd like to. It's a it's a way for you to um, you know maybe uh, honor God in a way by you know maybe skipping. Uh, You know, your lunchtime meal. And so you do that to, uh, you know, keep God on your mind, you know, because when your stomach starts to growl around noon, uh, you know, you're thinking about that meal that you've skipped on behalf of a God that you want to keep, you know, God uh, forward on your mind. And so um, a lot of times, you know, individuals will fast for that purpose. And so, you know, obviously this is a 40 day fast it's quite uh, extreme, uh, but again, Jesus is doing this again to show His power over uh, Satan. Asking Jesus to satisfy a legitimate hunger uh, by illegitimate means is, you know, is what Satan's doing here. Right? Uh, he knows that the purpose of miracles is not to satisfy oneself, but it's, uh, you know, to show or to be assigned to those. Uh, that he was the Christ. And so um you know just think if Jesus resorted to his uh his divine nature, right? Because he of course would he have the ability to turn those uh, stones into bread? Sure, he could have done that uh without hesitation. But again, he's uh, resorting to uh his uh his fleshly uh nature here. Uh, to not uh, do that, to not use his uh, miraculous, um, you know, power that he has, being the Son of God, to simply uh, just to satisfy his hunger by turning those stones uh, into a bread. And so, what he did, as we just mentioned, is he, you know, he took out the sword of the spirit and uh, and he used Scripture, specifically Deuteronomy chapter eight verse three, and tells him that. You know, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right. And so, you know, again, we, we can point out to the fact that Satan uses uh, our appetites to tempt us. Right. He, he strikes us at our weakest moments. You know, things that are um, that maybe when things are going tough, when, when we're not thinking the best, you know, that's when he strikes. Uh, you know, Jesus example is here is, uh, you know, he's extremely hungry. And so Satan, you know, lays out the temptation. Go ahead and change those stones into bread. Satisfy your needs. Um, but Jesus, again, he, he refutes that first temptation, the, the, the lust of the flesh. And so verses 5 through 7, we get the second test. Again, uh, then the devil took him into the holy city. So this would be Jerusalem. So somehow they, the Bible doesn't tell us how, but they go from the wilderness to Jerusalem the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. All right, so first we see this physical test. And now we're getting a spiritual test. Uh, that, that Satan says, "Go ahead and jump from this uh, this wing of the temple, and you know God's going to save you because uh, that's what's written in the Old Testament that He will command His angels concerning you uh, that that your hand shall not or your your foot shall not strike against a stone." Right, and so Satan is is trying to get Jesus to. Uh, to take on this temptation of the pride of life, right? That he is the son of God and God would not let anything happen to him. It's appealing to, you know, his his uh, appeal to ambition or for ambition or, you know, to achieve things. You know, that's the pride of life. That's, you know, what we deal with every day. You know, we appeal to ambition. We appeal to achieving things and maybe, uh, you know, taking um, you know, a different approach to things. And so cast yourself down, Jesus, he says, and God will provide this and these angels, this angelic parachute to catch you and protect you. And even, you know, what does Satan do here in verse six? That's interesting. Satan's quoting scripture, is he not? Satan, he obviously uh, has read the Bible, or, or you know, obviously the Old Testament. He knows something of it. He's quoting Scripture here, to, uh, to Jesus. But the problem in him quoting from Psalm uh, ninety-one verse eleven, the problem is, is you know he's what we often refer to as, you know, taking things out of context. He he's applying a passage in the Bible to what it never. Uh, should mean, or what it doesn't, what it has nothing to do with. He's taking these passages out of context, and uh, you know Jesus is calling him out on it because he will then refute it again with uh, scripture. Uh, on the other hand, he says it is written, "You shall not put the Lord your God to the test." Right? Those verses in Psalm ninety-one had nothing to do with, or, or at least according to Jesus, with you know saving him. Uh, by you know testing God by by jumping off this uh, off the temple and you know putting God to the test. Um, verse nine. We haven't got to verse nine yet, but there there was a sort of this uh, oh, funny illustration that I saw the other day was that an in the there was a greeting card company. You know how sometimes you get a greeting card and they'll have like a, a scripture written on the bottom uh, of it and you know just kind of tie into the theme of the card. Well, this card specifically had Matthew chapter 4, verse 9 written on the bottom of it. Well, if we read Matthew chapter 4, verse 9, and we'll get and we're gonna get to this verse here a little bit later, but in Matthew, Matthew 4, verse 9, it says, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Right? And so the greeting card company who wrote this uh, obviously was taking this passage to you know uh, be somewhat of an you know an inspiration to those who would receive it that you know we need to fall down and worship you know at the feet of Jesus but really what they were doing is a classic case of taking you know a verse out of context because you know who's saying fall down and worship me it's Satan, right? It's, it's not God. Uh, it's not Jesus, but it's Satan. So again, uh, you know, th- this is you know, a great example for us that we need to make sure that we do not take verses out of context, like Satan's doing here in the second temptation. And then Jesus, of course, is um, is going up against Satan by refuting that with you know with with scripture that uh, that pertains to. Uh, this temptation again we, we are talking about the, bro, the the boastful pride of life that Satan attempts to um, attack uh, Jesus with so let 's let 's quickly jump into the third the third attack that he does in verses eight through ten here 's the final temptation again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Uh, Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Uh, Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. And so, again, here is that final temptation. And this is uh, him showing him all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, viewing their glory and this falls into that category of the lust of the eyes. right? Look at this, Jesus. You can have all of this. Uh, just look at it with your eyes and you can you, and really, you know this comes down to the desire to obtain things. Right? The lust of the eyes. Uh, we have to deal with this in our uh, in our lives, uh, not to fall prey to it. Uh, Jesus had to as well. Because what was Satan really getting at? You know, he was saying, "Listen, uh, you know, you understand your, the divine plan of God is that you know you're going to live, uh, you know, the, your, your life uh, this three three and a half years of uh, ministry. You're going to go to the cross. You're going to die on the cross, and at that point, you know, you're going to gain the victory, or you can have it right now. All right? Just you know, just bow down and worship me, and I will give you all." these kingdoms. Because, you know, the Bible often refers to Satan as, you know, the God of this world. Not a capital G God, but a little g God, the God of this world, right? He, he is uh, the prince of the power of the air, uh, as Ephesians tells us. He uh, rules the, over the earth uh, in, in that capacity because his influence is, is there. And so, you know, through this temptation of the lust of the eyes, again, Satan says you don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. You can have it all right now. Just bow down and worship me and I will give you all of this. All right? but, um, but of course, you know, Satan doesn't understand, right? that Jesus has not come for this physical kingdom. He has come to establish this, a spiritual kingdom, and so he is not going to compromise. By taking the easy way out. And so again, Satan, or excuse me, uh, Jesus again quotes scripture. He goes to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 13, and tells Satan, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve uh, him only. And so, um, you know, obviously, you know, we can learn a lot of uh, great lessons from uh, this account of the temptation of Jesus—you know—each category of temptation can have a different effect of, uh, on us in our different stages of life. Right? Some of us, uh, the lust of the flesh, or maybe it's the lust of the eyes, or the boastful pride of life. And again, all sin can be—you know—put in one of those three categories, as John, the apostle, tells us in First John chapter two. And so, uh, we need again to understand how to combat those things. And of course, you know, Jesus gives us that great example by. Uh, Using the scriptures to combat uh, those things in our our lives. And so we can prepare for temptation. Uh, You know, that's why we need to study the scriptures to to know uh, that when those things come up, uh, what we need to do, whether uh, we need to flee from it, uh, as Paul says, or maybe we need to, you know, put on the full armor of God, uh, all those pieces of armor and to make sure that we're protected at, at any point. And so, great lesson on, you know, the temptation of Jesus. You know, I think it's there at the beginning of his, beginning of his ministry for that purpose, for us to understand, you know, that, that Jesus, being a man, being tempted in all things, just as we are, was able to stand up to those attacks uh, of Satan, who was, you know, directly uh, in front of him, while we have to do the same thing uh, through the influence is that that are in the world? We have to take on those attacks as well. And Jesus was able to uh, defend him, and we are able to do as well. Right? Again, First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. There is a way of escape in in every one of those situations. So there we are in the life of Christ. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll go into lesson thirteen, uh, John chapter one, verse nineteen. Uh, through uh, chapter 2 verse 12 which is dealing with Jesus calling his first disciples and then we're also going to see his first miracle performed in Cana and of course that's when he turns uh, the water into uh, the wine and and we'll probably have to have that discussion you know that that always comes up in those verses is uh, was that you know grape juice or not grape juice and so I'm you know, very forward to that study because I know a lot of people like to study those passages and, and, and see what that has to say. So, again, Lesson 13 on Wednesday. Uh, Brother Ricky has our closing prayer for us.